teaching is mostly acronyms. Yeah, so there's is so tech. many. Oh God, everything Ugh. is acronyms. Everything is acronyms, and each subfield has its own acronyms. It's horrible. TLAs, man. EFHA. Too many TLAs. <laughs> Actually, I just had one of my uh, one of my coworkers ask me if I wanted to be participate in uh, lift training, and I was like, I don't remember that acronym. And he goes, No, no, like scissor lifts. I'm like, Oh, lifts. Gotcha. I figured it was some you know latency induced fidelity transport or something on the network layer oh see i was thinking like as in shoes <laughs> wait, wait what shoes lifts like pumps lifts of- wow. hey let's break out the scotch welcome to the podcast where your hosts sample a different scotch each season while we dive into current social political and economic issues each episode this is scotch and socialism All right, welcome to Scotch and Socialism. I am one of the three hosts lucky enough to be speaking tonight. I am uh, channeling my inner schoolboy this evening. You're channeling your inner schoolboy? Apparently we're doing standardized testing. Oh, we are doing standardized testing. And I'm Griff, your resident hard noser for the evening. <laughs> I think you mispronounced brown noser, but you know. Never. <laughs> Fantastic. Never. <laughs> I'm Jake, your resident loosely coupled cloud of ideas for the evening. And tonight we have a guest with us. Very special guest, Very long special time guest. listener, first time poster. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, it's a Reddit. <laughs> okay. <it> away. <laughs> uh, I'm Renee, your resident educator. That's right. We brought in an expert to talk about our education podcasting this. So tonight we're talking about education, standardized testing. What's wrong with, well, everything. Why everything um, in America sucks and why we don't do it right. And how we're going to fix it in the next hour. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Give or take. I have lots of ideas. I'm ready. That's why we brought you on. I know. Oh, man. <clears throat> so where do we want to jump this off? I mean, Russ, you sent us an article, and we can post it in the uh, in the about section. Um, it's in the Washington Post, I believe, that the Secretary of Education had it was like an open letter i think yeah sort of kind of i didn't delve too deeply into it it was more of a really interesting it was kind of a ten thousand foot view wasn't yeah it? yeah it was. article. Uh, but essentially they, they are calling for the suspension of standardized testing uh temporarily due to last year's that bug lack that, of, that bug that went around that, that thing that happened i don't know was it yeah. did anyone hear about that somebody got like sick or something yeah. i think um but yeah so some, something happened 2020 it was a terrible year it kind of disappeared on us i don't know what happened to 2020 i remember it's still I'd, march right it's been march well, it's been march for a year yeah yeah mm-hmm. i distinctly remember december 2019 and now it's like march 2021 so i'm not sure what happened but if you know what happened uh leave us a comment <laughs> yikes it's kind of blacked out for a year <laughs> But yeah, they, they, they're calling for the the suspension of standardized testing because they feel like the marks are not going to be good, right? And that's that's kind of the, the irony of the entire thing is the fact that they're calling for the fact that, you know, our response to the entire pandemic and doing the at-home schooling isn't good enough for standardized testing, so we shouldn't just, we just, we just shouldn't measure, like as if it goes right. away because of that. I think what would be interesting to, interesting to see, and we can get into our opinions about standardized testing later, and there are our legion what's what would be interesting to see is using this year almost as like an outlier or like a control or you know some sort data of is data right like why yeah it's, why forfeit exactly. decent data even if, i don't care if you didn't send them to school at all 
Right. Do the test anyways. See what it looks Take like. Take the test with a cold. Year. See what happens. Yeah, exactly. It's data. Well, I think we use standardized <laughs> testing so often. I feel like Renee has opinions. <laughs> I, we use standardized testing so often as this like beating stick, which is really unfortunate. That in some ways it gets a bad rap. We, again, can get into that later. Um, but it would make for a diverse data set to have a sample where your instruction was not in any way an ideal scenario. It was very improvised. It was kind of, you know, cut and paste. And I think I could tell you a lot about the validity of standardized testing in general. You know, what if they did enforce standardized testing and the kids did no, not measurably worse or better mm -hmm. in previous years? That could tell us a lot. Absolutely. Oh, I have so many thoughts. That's why we have you here uh -huh, That's why I'm here. The concept of using this year of standardized testing as a data point is great in theory and terrible in practice because standardized testing is more than just a data point. Mm -hmm. It is often used in schools as a measure for their teachers, how accurate teachers are doing and reflects upon us as well as... Um, is often used as a way to decide which schools get funding. So if we use this as a year of just give them the test, uh, they will potentially lose funding in mm -hmm. certain buildings. What it's if we divorce the notion of funding and using it as a grade? Because mm -hmm. that's true. A lot of these tests are like, well, you know, how's the education system where how's the teachers doing? How's the curriculum doing? It's a lot more than just can the kids pass the test. And if you divorce the notion of, you know, you teachers and you school districts are being graded on this and issue it almost more as a survey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think, yeah, we're kind of conflating a lot of issues right now. Renee is absolutely right. The, the standardized testing is used as kind of this hammer mm -hmm. um, when what we have in front of us isn't just a nail. It's an entire machine. It's an entire box of hardware. And as much as I personally love percussive maintenance inside of my <laughs> field, um, it's, it often doesn't actually help anything in my field, and it's really not going to help us a whole lot in... Uh, the the side of education and what like the point of if we agree and we can get into like you know what is our like what is our education system for right. here in the states but like by and large I think most people agree that education should be something that is just cheer for the benefit of of students right we want to we want to give them more of a knowledge base we want to teach them to be critical thinkers so that, that when they get out into the rest of the world. Uh, they can actually make things better and do things for themselves. I think divorced of things like how schools get funding, et cetera, um, I think it's a useful tool. But it is just a tool. And I, like, by and large, from what I understand, and granted, Renee has done a tremendous amount more research than, well, it's probably any like of the three educator. of us. I know. How about that? There's a degree in this. But it's like, you know, schools test lower standardized testing and they get less funding yeah How, that was like what mm -hmm. that was under no child left behind i think i don't mm -hmm. know if it's changed it since has then changed and gotten better that it's no longer directly connected but again if your school has higher test scores that shows that your students are doing better they're going to give you more funding Whereas really it should be the opposite Absolutely. way. If your schools One, are, are testing assume, lower, yeah. then you should you be more getting support. that support. But that's unfortunately not the way it tends to end up. Right. 
popularity contest. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I mean, shoot, funding for schools is messed up in general. We're oh, not just talking like yeah. standardized testing, but how, there's a huge portion of funding that comes from property taxes. Mm-hmm. So the more mm-hmm. affluent your neighborhood, the better your school is going to be funded. Yeah, basically. And I can absolutely speak to that because I teach in a Title I school, which means a low socioeconomic district. You know, those students come from homes with a single parent who works and because property taxes are lower or so many students come from apartment complexes um it it has a whole other wealth of issues that come with that so that's fair you know my district in central spokane compared to seattle it's it's going to be a big difference in funding right right there well we even saw it um so Renee and I both went to schools in the same district, mm-hmm. but we went to different high schools in that district. And yeah. the disparity, while it's a lot smaller, the disparity was still clearly there. My high school was in more of a blue collar-ish mm-hmm. area where Renee's was in a, a you know pretty white collar, fairly affluent district. It's yeah. going to be interesting because um, there's a new high school coming into town. Yes, there that is. That could be pulling some folks out of that. Yeah. Um, and so- And it's in one of the highest- property valued areas mm-hmm. in that town. currently one of the schools is taking taking advantage of and so like my i hate the idea that property taxes for that area go to that school i think they should be normalized across the board sounds like socialism jake i know wow. that's why we're here i love that idea mm-hmm. and it it goes back to i think we talked about this in one of our earlier episodes that we may have released or this may have been our bonus episode mm. um <laughs> there was some rambling on that Freedom one there was so much i haven't even cracked that one open Fair. <laughs> yeah. But there's, you know, the whole American notion of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like that, that idea could potentially maybe, I'm not even going to say that it would work in a system that was actually fair, mm-hmm. but it's not like we don't all have access to the same opportunities and we don't have access to the same just basic levels of right. education. I'm not even talking about colleges, trade schools or whatever, right. just Primary, Basic secondary primary, pre- secondary. Mm-hmm. If it's if that's not the same, why would you assume that somebody else is going to be able to do just as well as you, even if they're honestly applying themselves a lot harder? Well, it's a story we like to tell our, tell ourselves to make us feel better mm-hmm. about we're we're shifting the onus of responsibility onto the person, not onto the group as a whole. Yeah, mm-hmm. because you know free enterprise and manifest destiny and you know Bud Light Roll Tide NASCAR or something. I don't know. It's just it does it doesn't I mean it makes sense in a perverse way, but mm-hmm. uh I don't know. I feel like we've kind of blown up this notion of standardized testing because standardized testing used as like a school's grade that would then determine, you know, resources, whatever is is not healthy obviously we've seen that play out in this country numerous times before mm-hmm. um i don't think that standardized tests used as a measurement of efficacy of curriculum maybe or e- efficacy of teaching if you use it less as a stick and more as a corrective mm-hmm. gar- as you say guardrails you know in the industry mm-hmm. well um, if, if they were true data points right like if they were sure. just used as a guidance Right. Mm-hmm. If it was like an actual report card, like yeah. kids actually get, it's not, oh, you got a C in spelling, no lunch for you. It's like, oh, you got a C in spelling. Okay, let's work, let's do some more vocab. Let's, well, I mean, ideally, that's know. how they would work. How many 
parents like shoot my parents kind of even in some in some cases like if i got a bad grade on a report card it wasn't like oh let's let's make sure it's more help it's like you're grounded for yeah a month. No, that's true See, that's there is negative reinforcement yeah, yeah. See, that's interesting for, because we for some families we've for some even families. broken it Not down everybody. we've even broken it down on like a microcosm of you know bad grade equals punishment mm-hmm. yeah. it's like well why is that grade bad that's and and you can even on the federal level oh a school gets a bad grade no funding or restricted whatever it's yeah. like well you've got to figure out why that happened before you can correct anything. But that takes effort. That takes more resources, right? Yeah. The idea is that if we provide the, the measuring stick and they don't measure up, we just ignore them. It's easier. It's cheaper, unfortunately, right? Or we, we push them to do better with less resources, which it's not is a business. Not good. Mm-hmm. But it does go back to our, our capitalism conversation, right? Everything follows the dollar. It, it's all about what can you squeeze out of a dollar. Right. If, if we can get larger swaths of education with less money, okay. If if these schools aren't up to par, well, we don't have to pay them. It's cheaper. It's unfortunate. See, that's mm-hmm. a really toxic mindset, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Tremendously. Because... Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what it is. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> 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 yeah, like that black and white, but, but I mean, it's, it's not a good scenario. No, right? no. And especially because when you think about it in perspective, the more education and the higher quality education students have, the less likely they are to drop out to become you know delinquents to Mm -hmm. not be successful part of society to work a job and so we're just kind of setting ourselves up for failure thus needing more you know intervention later on when it's too late whereas we can and it's more expensive whereas we if we can hit it in elementary school in middle school Mm -hmm. then we can eliminate so many issues later on because we have funding at an earlier level is actually cheaper and more effective mm-hmm. oh my I goodness no it's madness <laughs> Who um, have thought what would be interesting to see is how other countries divvy out educational funding as a function of maybe gdp and the effects of that i mean we could talk a little bit about education systems that are ranked highest in the world they're all European, I think. Um, for, well, Sweden. But so, not Sweden, sorry. Finland. Pause. Is, education is in, sorry, education is in primary, secondary, or are we going to include post-secondary? Uh, primary, secondary. Okay. Okay. So Finland um, has number one ranked education in the world. And well, it's dark there all the time. All they can do is go to school. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> they actually <laughs> don't like, start. At, they also drink. <laughs> They actually don't start schooling for kids until a later age. So we're forcing our kids to go really? to school at five year old, five years old, where they're still babies, um, and we're we're teaching them to sit in a desk. You can't move. You have to learn. Mm-hmm. Whereas those students are in, you know, maybe outdoor exploring activities and and daycare activities where they mean being a kid. Yeah, they get to <laughs> mm-hmm. be a kid and and learn through life experiences. We're not having them write worksheets. And but, then but when how they do we test do, for that? You don't. That, well, that's the thing is they don't do as much standardized testing. Mm-hmm. It's not a forced thing. They have one big test at the end of your education that you can take to get into college, much like we do with SAT, ACT. But that's really the only sort of standardized testings that they do because they focus more on grading and and taking the grades that teachers give Mm -hmm. because the teachers are qualified individuals and Mm -hmm. they trust their teachers rather than saying from the government level, we have to make sure you're doing it our way. Mm -hmm. Right. 
yeah, which is like that, that sort of area is where I get into weird, complex feelings on kind of curriculum, I guess. Mm. Um, because you like, we hear so many stories from around. Renee also has <laughs> opinions on she this. Up at that. She, yeah. <laughs> Uh, for, for those of you listening at home, Renee is wearing a crown and has dubbed herself queen of this podcast episode. Yes. She's not wrong. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like we have, we have a lot of disparate curriculum across the United States and Absolutely. there's been a lot of issues with like students, like, especially within realms of science, mm-hmm. things like that, where they're really undereducated. Mm-hmm. And some of it has to do with, you know, religious leanings whatever uh it's also easier to commodify it it is Mm -hmm. and i have i have my own opinions on from a religious background background and like the teaching of evolution people thought when i went off to college they were uh, i was going to become a raging atheist i did for like a year right (laughs) spoiler alert I didn't, but we can get into that in a in a later. We podcast. haven't had the religion episode yet. We have haven't. We? No. We, we tried to start it with that rambling one. It, was, it got weird. Oh boy. Yeah, it yeah, did. Weird. We're gonna need more scotch. We need to be episode. much more prepared for that one. Yeah. Yeah, we do. That's our Christmas special, everybody. Stay oh tuned. Boy. Oh, right. Goodness. <laughs> can we at least do it around October so it's the pagan holiday? Sure. I like that idea. I mean, if we want to really break into it, Christmas is on the same day as Saturnalia. I'm aware. But anyways. I just feel like Sorry, it more I, I probably digress. I probably pissed off a lot of my <laughs> a lot of my cohort. But anyways, I don't, I don't um, think you pissed them off. You just disappointed them. Pro- uh, <laughs> we're disappointed. This has gone really off the rails. <laughs> um, but in, re- in regards to standardized curriculum, isn't sure. that set by the government? However, like, isn't that supposed to be I, like a set of? I don't know if it. I think there's a foundational level, but then states can. Because looking at like homeschooling, they have their list of requirements, right? right. Yes. So there are curriculum. Um, measurements set by the state and at the national level even um, and we call those s- core standards mm-hmm. so for each subject there are core standards there's millions of them they're terrible um, in, just in the sense that there's so many and we have to cite them in lesson plans and like put yeah. them on the board for each mm-hmm. lesson I won't get into that um, but so each topic has the core standards and then you have to um, through districts or through the state level adopt a curriculum to fit those standards so you can go through and look at the different textbooks the different curriculum outlines and say this one fits best we're going to do this now that is an incredibly difficult thing to do Mm -hmm. the reason you have outdated textbooks in your schools is because curriculum adoption typically takes five years and so by the time you've and a lot of money by the time you actually get through to approving a curriculum from a committee it's not just a single person a committee and it goes through the school board or whoever it needs to go through you're already looking at outdated textbooks um and then we can even get into the fact that not all content areas are created equal so i'm a music teacher i teach elementary music super duper fun um you're a better person than i am I'll tell I, you that. it's hard some days um, <laughs> you little snots. And we won't even talk about covid and not being able to sing or play mm. instruments mm-hmm. so um just but, a lot of humming yeah sure <laughs> that, that music theory <laughs> kids love music theory especially we, when they're younger we clap oh, yeah. a lot of rhythms there you go um but there's not a lot of great elementary music curriculums the mm-hmm. ones out there are very sparse um and so a lot of music teachers create their own. I was going to say, wouldn't that give you a lot more leeway? 
Um, yes, but then you get inequality between schools. Mm -hmm. So in my district, there are eight or nine elementary schools. Each of us do our own thing. Um, with content we have gotten from conferences, sharing with each other, um, going to another teacher and saying, hey, how do you teach this or what lessons do you do? And that's how we do that. And then um, my school was fortunate to buy a curriculum. And buy I can look a curriculum? to buy a curriculum. Okay. Um, I didn't have to go through the adoption process because it was my choice and my money. Um but even buying that curriculum, I flipped through and went, well, this is not content that needs to be taught mm. or they're teaching this at kindergarten and I don't teach it till fourth grade. So there's so much disparity in curriculum itself mm -hmm. that it's hard to find something that fits the whole. And then something that will work in my Title I school might not work in the high socioeconomic school well, based on resources that are available mm -hmm. or, you know, especially in music right because you yeah. guys have yeah. instruments and sheet yeah. music and also other fun stuff where you have to pay for it well yeah i have colleagues who were able to just from their building budget were able to buy a set of ukuleles Ooh. for their classroom wow 30 ukuleles that cost 10 grand mm -hmm. i have a yearly budget of zero dollars i have to go beg for anything if i want it and so how is it fair that this school gets to have ukuleles for those kids to learn and my kids are stuck with 30-year-old uh, egg shakers? Mm -hmm. You know, it's... Banging it's, rocks together. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's so much yeah. disparity in that. And then you even go from school district to school district. It, it varies. It's huge. It's, yeah, there's so much inequality and inequity in it. Well, and getting back to, to standardized testing, like the word itself, standardized, would imply that there is some level of base-level curriculum that should be taught yes, as a standard. Mm -hmm. right? Um, I'm guessing that's either so low that there's so much divergence after that, well, or it just doesn't speak to it. That's right? where we get to, to a common phrase in teaching called teach to the test. Mm -hmm. And teach to the test means we have this standardized test. Um, in elementary school, it's third grade through eighth grade every single year for math and English. And then third grade, and no, fifth grade and eighth grade for science. So because this test, we have this format, teachers are having to either abandon their curriculum or modify the curriculum that the school has given them to specifically teach the way that the test wants them to do it. So I can even remember back to when I was in high school taking the science, I think it was still the Wassel at that point. Oh, gosh. My teacher would give us practice problems from past tests and yep. saying, yep. Well, this is technically the right answer, but you need to phrase it this way. Right. Because they want you to pass, but you have to say it so specifically to what that test wants that it it creates a whole new teaching situation because you're not just teaching the curriculum. You have to do a specific way. Well, it sounds like you're not really helping necessarily the students, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I can, I can teach someone how to do X, Y, Z, but to teach them specifically how to answer a question on XYZ in a particular phrasing, mm -hmm. that doesn't help them. Yeah. And so I could definitely see a, def uh, a deficiency there in well, regards to it, how it, that What would it does affect. is it teaches them to look for the answer, not for the tools. Yeah. And that's the hard part, right? Like one of the things that I, I really loved about my college experience was the first thing that my, my college professor told me was, we're not going to teach you anything here except for how to learn. Mm -hmm. We're going to teach you how to find your own answers. And I was like, what are you talking about? No, there's a I mean, book a somewhere. That's a lot of college. Right. <laughs> you know. A lot of college classes mm -hmm. are like, that's the philosophy behind them. But that yeah. absolutely was not taught in secondary. Oh, 
you know, in secondary, it was here's question, here's answer, and do not deviate. Right, and you it's know. not taught growing up. That's like why why so many people have these college experiences. And one, it gets really really hard because that sort of type that sort of critical thinking is tough when mm-hmm. you're trying to get, engage in that yeah. later on in life after you've been taught to the test for for now, so that's long. Super interesting. Go ahead, because we because the the two of us especially can speak to this in a very unique way because Mm -hmm. of your secondary post-secondary ed experience my previous work experience Mm -hmm. yeah and i was uh, um you know i i guess this is this is kind of my drum that i keep banging on is like you know when when kids grow up and go out (laughs) (laughs) wasn't planning on it but sure uh go out like they're the the faiths that they have been brought up in they were often brought up in these. This is this is the way it is. Don't question things, mm-hmm. and it, that happens in our in our family structures. That happens in in our religious structures. That happens in our educational structures, mm-hmm. and actually, that happens in our work structures yeah. too, which can be a big issue. And there's been kind of this it, this prevailing thing that keeps cropping up again and again, uh, at least in my social circles, is like education for a long time, at least in the States, was to basically produce an unquestioning workforce. Yeah. Yeah. Which how dystopian <laughs> is that? Mm. We had to beat the Russians. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it is. Our educational system is modeled off what we kind of ginned up in the 40s and 50s. Yeah. That's why there's such an emphasis on STEM. That's why there's such an emphasis on, you know, teaching to the standard mm-hmm. and all of these things. Mm-hmm. And going back a little bit to what we were mentioning about post-secondary ed, and you're right. I worked with um, basically juniors and seniors, and we mentioned this in a previous episode, juniors and seniors in high school who are doing their two years um, in, at the college and more than a few really had problems with kind of adjusting from a very prescriptive here's the answer here's the process repeat to a here's what we're thinking about figure something out I heard a lot of the refrain well they didn't teach us what was on the test it's like no, that's exactly right. They're not going to. They're going to teach you how to find the answers for yourself. They're going to teach you how to think, not what to think. And we hit that we hit that a lot, but it is true. Because if you look at that, you know, primary secondary educational method and that framework compared to a post-secondary educational curricular framework, night and day, you know, or at least dawn and dusk, maybe not night and day, but <laughs> shoulder times um and it threw a lot of kids off because they mm-hmm. had been they had been you know just learning to attest for you know gosh however many years 12 years mm-hmm. and all of a sudden hey uh go find the answer go think for yourself exactly go find the answer and tell us why you think it's the answer well they didn't teach us that yeah, yeah it's because it's it's this great thing called synthesizing but because they've been told their whole lives that you have to do it this way for the test, there's so much anxiety and stress Ooh, around testing. Yes. Mm. I mean, we could even get into that kids do poorly on these tests simply because they're stressed out mm-hmm. and they they know and they're told how important it is. Right. So then it just creates more stress. I. What if, even, if, if little Jimmy doesn't do well on the test, he might not get funding for next year's library? I mean, they're not told that, but they're told this is important and we have to do this big test. Um, So and even to a little kid, you know, that's that's a big deal. I I teach a math group as well. 
to round out my contract, which in itself is a totally different issue that makes me angry because mm-hmm. I'm not qualified to teach math. But my second graders today were taking a test and they panicked. They couldn't figure out a question. And I had to say, just skip it and move on to the next one. And the anxiety that these seven-year-olds felt over having to skip a question and not knowing the answer was heartbreaking Mm -hmm. that they already at seven years old feel that I don't know this. I'm stupid. I can't get this. I'm bad at what I do. And that's, that's, yeah. Hit the nail (laughs) on the head with that whole sense of worth that we've tied Mm -hmm. up with these tests. Yeah. It's, it's a part of their identity Uh and that's a big issue. That's what's really interesting to me is that when I was in that, Area, I guess you say, where I would take the wassail. What was it? Fourth, seventh, and tenth grade? Fourth, Something eighth, like that. and tenth. Fourth, eighth, and tenth? Eighth? Seventh or eighth? Yeah. I know whatever one was in middle school, I was hilariously sick for the math wassail um, due to medications and stuff. Um, and like I ha- I did the math wassail while like oh, trying to hold my stomach mm. and finish everything up. And like by the end, I just like had to call my mom, like get me out of here. I'm going yeah. to vomit like everywhere. That's Maybe that's the seventh. perfect like punctuation to a test, though, isn't it? Oh yeah, just about. I think your test. Yeah, it just about happened. It was Chris. it was awful. What my what my dad would do. My for context, my dad's been teaching since 1994, teaching a long time, but he teaches um, law school. Um, is he would tell me on those days before the wasp because I would get decent test anxiety, not necessarily crippling. Mm-hmm. He would just say, "It this is not just about you. Mm-hmm. This is you know this is about how your school is doing as well. You see, they're testing the curriculum and they're testing you know the process." <laughs> What he didn't say was you're basically just the pawn in their I was gonna say, system. Yeah, at that point, yeah. Did that help it, yeah. Really? it did help. It did help because okay. it took the pressure off if you don't know it, you're stupid. And it changed it to if you don't know it. They didn't teach you. It might not have been covered well. Yeah. Right. You know, and. Which yeah, I have like, I see the other side of that happening as difference. well. Yeah. Which yeah. is like, oh yeah, if you don't do well to this, you're not going to get stuff next year. <laughs> you know, you're, you're going right. to get well, worse. And, right. and most kids don't necessarily know that or don't have you know they're not thinking that far no. ahead. and no. they shouldn't no. have to like well, that's I, not I'm, on I'm just saying like if, if he was told that right I mean that right would be, right that would be that terrible, would be terrible. Yeah. oh gosh and yeah. I, I don't remember when I was in school like I don't I remember doing like at least one standardized test but I think I was like eighth grade ninth grade maybe but I don't remember doing anything specific yeah there's just one day I remember being in the library and, and you know doing the whole like hall monitor thing like people mm-hmm. walking down the aisles mm-hmm. going don't do anything yeah. Write your answers. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, I know Washington State standardized tests have changed a, a decent oh, amount. They change yeah, every so. four or five years because uh-huh. they think they can do it better. And then maybe one thing is better, but there's a whole new set of problems. Yep. It's it's uh, one of I'm those I'm assuming that's where, dictated at the, at the state level, right? Cause, yeah. Okay. I would yeah, like to... Go ahead. Mm, it's to the point where most states are in control of it. Um, I'm not even sure if it's mandatory nationwide anymore. I think oh. it's state decided. Mm-hmm. So Washington still still does that. And Washington does it not just for math and science and English, but I have to do a standardized test in music mm-hmm. as well. That's oh, new gosh. to me. So what does yeah. that look like? That, that broke yeah. my brain. It's, it's absolutely crazy. But I mean, you think yeah. about it, we do it in PE as well. True. You have your fitness testing. True. It's it's pretty much every content area has to do some sort of mm-hmm. 
testing to make sure kids know the content. But I think that's where the government doesn't necessarily need to be a part of it because teachers do assessments all the time. Mm -hmm. In any given class, I see a class for 30 minutes a day. I'm doing four to six assessments, whether it's a quick, I'm listening to you sing to see if you can match pitch. Mm -hmm. I'm watching you play this rhythm. You got it right. You know the content. You're writing this, um, this rhythm down. You know, we do so many assessments, um, not just in music, in every class that we can assess students at where they're at and figure out how to help them to grow without having this standardized test that happens in the spring to see whether or not the kids have learned what they need to learn. So are we, are we trending our topic towards whether or not there should be even like just a base layer, like a minimum? Well, that's what we have today is a base layer. Almost like a minimum wage, like the federal Mm, minimum wage is X amount. Some States don't go over that. Some like ours do double it yeah basically well and that's just it right we have that kind of core it sounds like where, where we do have the, the bare minimum yeah but then it's up to interpretation which is really where the problem comes in See, if we th- had a higher level of requirement at least it would be standardized across the board it may but not be then, correct but if we and this is where it gets really dicey because if you don't have some sort of recognized standard then you're going to get disparities mm-hmm. across the states but would be that Maybe so bad? more so than you do now. I mean, I mean that's the thing, right? Like, it, just because it's a disparity doesn't mean that it's bad. Well, it could be accelerating in certain areas. Like, some groups might do really, really well with it if they didn't have to work with these. Sure, but I, I mean, to kind of push back on that, and this is this is purely anecdotal. Like, I don't have statistics. You're not writing policy I, right now. What? No, I'm not. What oh. the hell, Jake? Um, <laughs> but I have a, a good portion of friends that I grew up around who went through um and this is not a bash on homeschooling as a general thing, but they away. went through a lot of homeschooling or kind of i think they're called co-ops yeah um yeah. and they came out with some yeah some pretty on par stuff but a lot of huge gaps in their knowledge which, which really? i would consider gaps not necessarily important gaps i suppose but it was just like like you guys didn't go over that in in English and a lot of it wasn't necessarily like composition stuff like grammatical stuff it's like you know works of literature that are kind of big in the American experience um well there's like a list for that right like I oh there is it's huge like each even even within public school Mm -hmm. even within the same public school in the same grade we had different classes going over different things is weird to me well it kind of has to to an extent because it has to keep pace with or do you mean like no, I mean like one one class would read Frankenstein, the other class would read Romeo and Juliet. Well, that comes oh. from scaffolding. Mm-hmm. Another big education word, Ooh. scaffolding, um, and just Maybe having cowbell. at students at different level. Like when you get to right. the secondary level, um, there's you know you have to reach a certain point in English or a certain point in math, but you have students who can go above that um, and and choose to take those AP classes oh, or those those extra classes. Sure. sure. Um, to, to challenge them or to give them more work. So that's where you see that I, I, I difference wanna... in curriculum. Well, it wasn't like for, for mine anyways, it wasn't just AP versus non-AP. Oh. It was like legitimately our sophomore year for English, all of the classes read different books. I was like, Interesting. you're reading that one? It had to do with at least one of the teachers being mm-hmm. a debate teacher. Uh, yes. See, I'm, I'm okay with that because that's what you'd get in a college environment. You know, now in your literature classes, you're going to cover the Norton Anthology of Western Lit, trust me. But 
I think there's so much out there, so much material out there. You can't cover. Right. And that's like, that was just to say there's, there's a disparity everywhere, no matter what. But I guess kind of getting back to what I was originally talking about with homeschooling is like, um, literature was a, was a hole that I noticed. And this is again, not assigning to worth to people. Like it's just, we had a very different education and science is also a huge field. Like, granted, my cohort growing up was very conservatively religious, right, Christian. Um, the only thing that they were taught about evolution or whatever is that, oh, it's bad and wrong. But that was it. Like, if you're going to re- attempt to refute something, which we can get into that yet again in a whole other podcast, like, you have to learn it and you have to understand yeah. it. You have to present both sides equally, or yeah. at least what knowledge exists of each, right? Yeah, exactly. To make an informed decision. Saying it, it's bad and we're not going to talk about it is not a mm-hmm. position, in my opinion. Makes right. it pretty easy to be shouted down. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, just a quick little thing, because um, I feel like we have some some very interesting and very diverse mm-hmm. uh, secondary education experiences. So you're speaking about multiple classes of English, right? Mm-hmm. I went to a school with a population of 180 people. We had the English class. Yep. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily just one grade. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm actually really curious. And also this, this AP thing I've never heard of. Okay. Advanced oh, placement. Advanced placement. Mm-hmm. So okay. an AP, who, who wants to feel this grounder? Um, I mean, it, advanced placement, like most simply put, it's a college level course in the high school. There but are a you're lot not... of scare quotes happening here. <laughs> no, you're no, which is college, college level because you're not getting college credit for it. However, right. you can't. I'm getting there. Okay, I'll, you I'll, can, I'll speak from the the post secondary. Oh you can gosh. take you can take a test at the end of the the year. A standardized test. A standardized test, but you're opting to it, so it's not every student. Mm-hmm. So you can take a test. You get a score, one, two, three, four, five. Five is good, one is bad. Um, and you can potentially get college credit. Now, not all colleges will take it. And um, not all colleges will take it in a meaningful way. Exactly. I took... Got to break that news I a couple took, times. Oh, yeah. I took many AP classes in high school, passed a few tests, not all of them. Um, but <laughs> at one of them, I, I was like, great, I got a five on my AP English Lit. Which that five is? The highest. The best. highest. Okay. Um, and I was like, great, this should count for my English 101. <laughs> and I also <laughs> got a five in EP, uh, AP Language... Language and Composition. Language and Composition. Mm-hmm. I was like, great, those should cover my English 101 and 102. No, it covered my English 101 and then a humanities course in English, which Mm -hmm. I didn't even need. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I obviously have showed that I am competent in my writing and my English skills. So why should I have to take a college course to graduate? I mean, I put it off till I was a senior, but that was my own issue. Um, Griff is dying to say something. (laughs) Because go ahead, Jake. I'm going to throw this cup at you. I know. No, just my funny anecdote. So I took... Um, I took AP language and composition, which would be for, for Eastern. I think it would have language and composition English 101. Yeah. That, and then I started AP us history, which was a horrible idea. So I, I procrastinated all of the summer homework. It was so bad. And so I didn't have a chance to do it. I was starting up marching men when I realized, Oh shoot. I didn't do any of my summer homework and I'm having eight hour days at the school coming home exhausted. Um, and so I, I dropped AP, uh, AP US history and then I did a, a black is what we would always shorten it to language and composition. 
and uh, did the whole thing. And I, I, it improved my writing. I'm actually thankful that I, that I took it because I don't know that I would have been at the same place that I was. Um, and I accidentally forgot to sign up for the test. So I did all of that extra work. How'd that happen? All of it. And completely spaced signing up for that test. Well, it turns out it didn't matter in the end because like Renee said, uh, since we, we went to the same college, um, it, mattered. it didn't matter. Like I tested into as high as I could on the English entrance exam, which, you know, so you have to take an SAT and then an entrance exam yeah. kind of you used to, to you get to you. Oh, you don't. Uh, but which to me is like, why? Pick one. Right? Um, yeah, exactly. Because testing. And so it wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered. So I put myself through a lot of that extra stress for probably what would have helped me at least somewhat, but the AP weigh your weigh your options with mm -hmm. AP is what I would say. Griff, you're Definitely. you're like I can feel you tensing <laughs> over here, and we're sitting about ten feet apart. I think it's time for scotch first. <laughs> All right, uh, we can jump to our scotch break. This is your regularly scheduled scotch break. had Ainsley Bray before but I have not it is our scotch for the season it's a single malt let me see this it's um it's a budget friendly let's say budget well, conscious it is yeah it's a budget conscious scotch inexpensive not single to be confused malt. with cheap okay yes there's a difference there is I like the hummingbird that's nice for the record there's not a hummingbird in the glass it's on no, the no it's on the on, on the, the bottle <laughs> <laughs> so uh this week I also finally got us some Glencairn glasses, um, so we're not uh, drinking out of random glasses. So thank you to the Gen Z gentleman for reminding us. And I did notice, like off the off the bat, the nose you can actually catch it with these glasses. So it's funneling all of the all of the, the nose is the fancy word for the smell of the whiskey. Liquor is just so pretentious. It um, is. Almost as bad as wine. But it's lovely. But it is lovely. I would say sometimes worse than wine. Really? I don't know. Wine, I feel like you make up a lot I, more. But oh, you I don't make think up the real lot. wine people make it up. I feel like those of us who don't <laughs> drink wine make it up. But the real people who are interested in wine do not. I suppose. I suppose. Uh, are there people who are actually interested in wine? Mm -hmm. Yes. They're called my winos. They're not. Cousin's the sommelier. Oh, she got okay, her. fine. That's a real wine person. She fine. got her degree. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this like, did you notice this tastes different now too with the Glencairn? Like, I'm noticing a lot more of the sweeter notes. I taste vanilla, a little bit of chocolate. Wow, there's right? like that's some like kind of very smooth. There. It is right for twenty dollars. Gosh, it's not. I mean, it's not like particularly strong, but it is no. very. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that is pretty smooth. I don't know how I'm I feel about the, the aftertaste. It's no, it's not bad. I like it. So, um, yeah. get yourself some Glen Cairn glasses if you're into scotch. Certainly, I think they'd work for pretty much every whiskey. Because in wine, there's a lot of different types of glasses too. Do you like you hear about red white or red glass white glass? But there's like especially among reds, there's a different shape for each one of them. And is it's there a like, blue glass? For red, white, and blue wine experience. Sorry. Please stop talking. Fantastic. Um, to me, <laughs> I haven't Alabama, noticed. So a to Georgia. Yeah. To me, yeah, I haven't right. noticed a huge amount of difference in like the I'm, red glasses mm -hmm. for a particular blend. With this, 
I notice a huge difference wanna... from what would have been yeah. like we were drinking rocks glasses and I had this out of like a legit rocks glass to this. I'm getting a lot more better. caramel. Mm-hmm. There's a sweetness here that's yeah, really pleasant actually. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm going to make sure to have a few of these on hand at my house yeah. too. Um, but yeah, so like the Glencairn glasses, I know it's snooty and pretentious and it it makes me feel a little fancy, uh, but it's actually worth it. Yeah, I would say. At home, I just drink scotch out of teacups. There you go. Which I'm not knocking. It's great. I've, teacups. I would drink them out of Probably. coffee mugs a lot of the time. Okay. Whatever I had on hand. A little less classy you guys than a teacup. It is. Anything at all. Just, you know, just straight from the bottle. Can't go straight from the bottle. That's how you drink not beer. all the time. It's okay. a really that's rough day if we're going from the bottle. <laughs> into the quarter. Ooh, is yeah. it today into the quarter? I think it is. Quarter? Tomorrow? or Tomorrow's into the quarter. Oh, we're talking the financial quarter? Year. Thank- we're talking fiscal year. Goodness. Oh, I don't have to worry about that. I have three more that. days before spring break. That's all I care about. Oh, hallelujah, lovely. Jesus. Maybe I can weasel my way into taking that week off because about half of my coworkers are going to be off anyway. Next Getting week? Getting corona. That or the week oh. after, because they're, uh, I don't know, they're all working from home, and so they might not well, take sure. their, take, you know, take most of the time, I, my coworkers take spring break off because they have kids of elementary school age. Well, that's... Except for now, kids are home anyways, so... Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. depends on where you yeah, are. depends on school. My school district has been back in person since September. Wow. Since September? I'm sorry, mm-hmm. what? Didn't we just do the whole, like, new quarantine thing in, like, November? Yeah. <laughs> wow. school is part of the problem. Yeah, I have been 100% in person with students since September. Wow. Which, I mean, like, oh, gosh, the whole whole quarantine and the stress that is on on kids, it's nuts. But we do have to balance that with with health. Um, And I know, gosh, I'm sure teaching music remotely was rough. It was an experience. Virtually impossible? It was last wow. last spring was bad puns. Put a dollar in the pun jars. Yeah, it was not good. Mostly because my content is considered extracurricular. So really? I was posting lessons every day, but were students doing it? Nope. No. Hard no. So I put in a ton of effort and did a ton of work to have five students do it the first two weeks, then one student do it the next and then like from May to June, I was just posting stuff and kids mm. were doing nothing. So that makes you feel Surprised great. Surprised you as had an that educator. many holdouts for that long. I know. The one was the principal's son. Future leaders of the country Ooh. there. Pro- Ooh. <laughs> he didn't yeah. finish them. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's oh gosh, that's a whole other topic. Like these, these quote unquote extracurricular things. Like music is the one that I would harp on. Um, See, I would harp on PE because I like music. I just like PE. I, I think there's more use for PE, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh, I see what you mean. Um, yeah. But it's like like music. Well, not everybody is musically inclined. Mm-hmm. Doesn't um, matter. Not it's everyone a is. It's a it's a cultural thing, and it's you know it's still like gosh the the benefits to learning how music works. Like there are so many people who didn't get math until they started really kind of delving into music. I never music got is all math. Same with reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the studies show that kids who can read music. Their reading scores will improve, which we can that see in assessments, mm-hmm. not would, standardized tests. I was about to say, assessments. wouldn't that be in a standardized test? Nope, I mean, they what's don't the care. difference? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, assessments give us straight up data, whereas the right. standardized tests give us broken data and funding for next <laughs> yes, year for the exactly. Well. Right, which I'm so, like, do you 
guys as teachers do you all get access to the full gamut of the standardized test results um the the districts what type of education those students would be having that sort of stuff yeah i mean we get the we get the the numbers back but really like what do we do with oh the, yeah it's, you know those state standardized right. testing what do we do with those numbers we go great this is where we're at we can try to improve that for next year right. whereas but it doesn't we really do. speak to your guys' curriculum right. necessarily right, right? well right. And it doesn't like so you guys don't have the chance to review across like you know you know school your school does things a certain way oh we a can B. we can see compared to other schools in our district mm-hmm. and even like other schools in the state of washington mm-hmm. so there's a big old graph and you see where you're placed and then even based off of some other statistics of socioeconomic, of sometimes gender, you know, it's it's kind of split into a bunch of different graphs. Mm-hmm. But Okay, um, so at least, I mean, at least they are attempting yeah. to, to get the background of the data. Now, they're not acting on it, as far as I can tell, in any good and constructive yeah. way, which I, like, unfortunately, teachers have such a incredibly small voice in the way that our education is funded. That's so true. Um, and, and how things need to be done. Like the the CORE, which is, CORE is an acronym that I can't remember what it stands for, um, but that was like the, the federal standards for education for all of us. Yeah. How much of that was actually driven by teachers and driven by data, like seeing students come out of school and were they being placed in vocation? Are they getting vocation? That sort of stuff. Do you know? Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm just yeah. wondering. I mean, I those those core standards and stuff were set before I became mm-hmm. a teacher, and that's not really a class they give you in college. Like, sure. Really? The classes I took for education were not super helpful. So in your professional training such as we could call it, in your degree program. Yes. They didn't give you a class on the rationale behind the standards to which you would be teaching. I mean, if they did, I was not paying attention, which is also very likely because, listen, (laughs) (laughs) I would have to take classes from like 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then most, most pretty much straight through. And then education classes generally happened in the evenings Mm -hmm. so that on top of taking these education classes we had to go into classrooms to observe Mm -hmm. and teach and get mentored so the education classes were in the evening so we would have daytime free to go into the school that's fair right so almost that our educators education is kind of messed up too Mm, depends Not, on the program. Depends on the program, but it, it's, yeah. you know, flaws beget yeah. flaws beget flaws. Yeah. I mean, there's all the way down. There are great, great tools in the education mm-hmm. training programs, but definitely room for improvement. Um, I think, I think, especially as a specialized teacher, I missed out on some of those generalized education classes that might have touched on the standards because I was busy learning how to play every single instrument and learning how to teach every single instrument yeah, and learning how to conduct. Yeah. So very, you know, concentrated area mm-hmm. lacked other right. education system knowledge. Interesting. Yeah. Now, now to get into sec- secondary education as a teacher, what are the requirements? Is that state-based, federal-based? Um, to like get a teaching certificate? Yeah, it's it re- is, and it requires a teaching yeah, certificate. State, state-based. You have to um, have a degree in education from an accredited university and then flexible these days mm, depends on the state 
we'll That's get true. to that in a second. Um, Washington is desperate for teachers right now. So they not have not as desperate p- as Idaho. They have four pathways to being a teacher. <laughs> um, but you then you also have to have a teaching certificate and you have to pass a series of tests, do student teaching, which is essentially you're working a full time job while paying tuition without getting paid, which is oh, so a residency is an issue. Yeah. Yeah. basically. Um, yeah. But I think what you're referring to with there's different avenues for teachers to become if you want to be an actual certified teacher, like what I do, you still right. have to go that route right. because we are in a crisis and a lot of loss of teachers. You can get an emergency certificate. Um, it's only good for a certain number of years. It's though, right? only good for a certain number of years. And even like in um, situations now, you can get pretty much anybody with a bachelor's degree can get an emergency substitute certificate. Mm-hmm. So if you were hurting for a job, you could apply to be a sub get an emergency sub-cert, and you could sub in classrooms. You wouldn't be making curriculum. You would just be following the lessons mm-hmm. left by the teacher. But even then, that's not going to stay day. valid for yeah, forever. Sorry. And if, um, say, you, you were like, yeah, I am going to be a teacher. I'm going to get my emergency certification. You then still have to go through the process to get the actual teaching certification. Okay. Yeah. I think if you go that route, if you don't go through an actual, like – recognized program i think a school has to like sponsor you basically maybe i read that incorrectly and that's when, last time i looked there were there were like four or five different paths mm. one of them coming kind of the traditional method coming yeah. out of a um, education program and one for like para educators well that's different yeah because mm-hmm. para educators are not responsible for the education mm-hmm. Of kids, They can work in small groups to help assist the learning of students. They can supervise things like lunch and recess, but they are not delivering, curriculum. delivering group instruction because right. they do I they see. do independent like one on one. They might help with assessments of like, hey, take this kid in the hallway, see if they can read the sight words, but they're not doing group instruction. So that's that's a little different. You, you don't need a teaching certificate to be a para educator. Gotcha. Yeah. Good to know. There you go. Yeah. If you want to be up there, we have like three positions open in my school <laughs> right now. Which come be a kind of brings up into another. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> kind of brings up another another issue that we occasionally see talking about education is like we're class sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, we're teaching mm-hmm. here. I think the average class size is about up to thirty now. Depends on the grade level. Sure. Mm-hmm. So Even and in the it, colleges. I oh, mean, the colleges. I mean, you're, college. You're, it depends on the huge. It depends I've on had, the school. Yeah. Depends on I've the had, school. Depends on the class. Depends on the subject. Subject level. Mm-hmm. So many things for college, but at elementary and secondary, it depends on grade level and contracts of the district mm-hmm. with recommendations from the state. So, like, the state recommends a first-grade class can have up to 18 students, but then, like, a district can say, well, that's what the state says. We're going to say 22. Mm-hmm. And so then we have to... That's 21 too many. Yes. <laughs> we have to have a classroom available for 22, but then there's even wiggle room that, like, we can have overflow spots. So even though technically our contract says 22 students in a first-grade classroom, you could have 24. So it's it's usually 18 to 20 for kindergarten, 20 to 22 for first grade, second grade, 25, 26, third, fourth, and then fifth grade and up, you're about 30 kids in a classroom. Yeah. 
and it's wow. that's so hard to to be able to administer kind of individual teaching to a student, which a lot of yeah. kids need mm-hmm. well, that's why some sort of special handling. That's why Whether, they've created these programs, right? Where you have the no child left behind, where you have to at least keep the, the class moving, but you're willing to... I mean, ideally... But if you're keeping the whole class moving and little Johnny needs help because he doesn't understand, He's you're leaving so well. him in the dust. You're leaving him behind by trying to keep the class at the mm-hmm. same level. Absolutely. So we've got an it's assembly not, line mentality when it comes yeah. to education. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Which is very interesting because there are other most other industrialized nations don't take this approach. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading a little bit before I almost had an aneurysm into <laughs> Germany's educational approach. And That's like most one. things in Germany, it's over-engineered. And highly efficient. Uh, <laughs> once you get the machine going, probably, yeah. but they have like three different avenues of secondary ed and then three or four different avenues of post-secondary uh, they have special schools for children, even with emotional needs, which well, I, mean, I we, thought we, was fascinating. We kind of have that here as well, right? We have alternative high schools. We have, you know, you're, if you're in an area. No, this is, enough this, is yeah. no this is different. This is different. This is like, so you have an alternative high school, like maybe there's an extenuating circumstance. These, there are, there are schools in Germany that are for kids who in America would be considered special education students, mm-hmm. okay. like special needs. Sure. So Whereas we just put those students in a classroom in a, class. in a school. Yeah. Right. They yeah. have a completely different school system. They, they have, have their structure for And it. they have three different levels. They have oh, students wow. with minor needs, max assist basically, and then with emotional, special emotional needs, which, I mean, there's some criticism around that and, you know, segregating out students. But if it means they're getting specialized, you know, small class size individualized help, I don't think it's a bad thing. Well, I Which think it, that's <laughs> see, this is what we this um, is this is what educational funding in America needs to go to is not we're gonna put a computer in every classroom. Kids don't need more computers, they no. need a more effective structure. We need to study how Finland and Germany and Norway and yeah. Sweden do it and adopt best practices. Yeah, I well, mean they, if if fin- Finland is, you know, they have one giant test at the end which is optional, right? Yeah, like you for don't even cur- have to basically take it. for it was our SAT. Yeah, kind kinda. of. Um, but they're scoring consistently high mm-hmm. um, worldwide with if if their students are performing that much better, like looking into what they're doing. And granted, culturally, things might not be super applicable, mm-hmm. but most of it kind of should be. Yeah. And we're we can st- we can, we can get something. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like that's like going back to the paraeducator thing. I think it's a it's a great idea, but. You know, it's pretty rare that you have paraeducators at a large enough level to be able to handle those individualized students because yeah. each each student is is going to learn a different way. And there's mm-hmm. there's a certain thing like, um, like especially science and mathematics. Science and mathematics kind of have their own language. Yeah. Um, and it is strict and it is formalized. And so there is some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but even even learning that, there are different approaches to yeah. it. And so I think like. Um, Class sizes is a huge issue because, like Renee said, you know, the state might recommend 18. We can't support that, whether it's because mm-hmm. we don't have enough teachers or we don't have enough funding to hire enough teachers. That's usually that one. It's, you, yeah. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> like, I, it's it'd be so much easier to say, oh, we people just don't want to. to have enough people who actually do the teaching. Right. And I mean, I I don't know if this is, this is something that you know off the top of your head, but these people who are getting emergency teaching certs, um, like what is, I'm assuming their pay scale is a lot lower. 
I don't believe so. No? Okay. I don't believe so. So I'm pretty sure no matter what, if you come in as a teacher, you're paid on the salary schedule based off of your experience. Okay. So if you're coming in as a average Joe off the street who got a teaching emergency teaching certificate, you'd be paid at zero zero so mm-hmm. no entry level yeah entry Case, level essentially yeah. but it wouldn't be any less than someone coming, someone in, coming in with a teaching certificate mm-hmm. so yeah. it's a it's a chart years in service and i think and then like, um class we have to yeah. take classes and yep. continue professional yeah. development you have to have a certain number every year or every five years to keep your certificate and then that's how you get a raise is essentially if you take enough classes to move to the right on the pay scale mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's a system. What, a, what, a, what an sure. interesting system, right? It is. There's, there seems like there's a lot of pitfalls. There's not a lot of good sides of it, unfortunately. Um, you know, thinking back to my own upbringing through primary and secondary schooling, I lived in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. For those of you who've listened to previous podcasts, I grew up on a farm. And so our entire high school was 180 population. That was 7 through 12. Um, that was after they moved from the one-room schoolhouse, which was 7 through 12 in a single classroom. Wow. Oh, gosh. Um, from 20 years prior to that. That would be interesting, though, to see how the educational attainment and the ability came out. Well, it's interesting because the, el- the elder children actually were teaching aids effectively for the younger children. Mm-hmm. And they were responsible for them in regards to keeping them in order and yep. keeping the chaos from, from overriding the school. Uh, and I think it worked really well. Like I, I think that would have been a great kind of setup. Uh, we even started implementing that a little bit, I think, when I was in my senior year. Uh, we basically did kind of a, a teaching assistant thing where it wasn't a true TA position, right. but it was like an assistant to the class. Mm-hmm. Almost and, like a paraeducator. Yeah. And we would we would go into the the underclassmen's groups and work with the teachers to help them send out tests or grade stuff or just keep people in line, like sit in the back of the class and, you know, thump people in the back of the head when they just were talking. The ruler. Right. Yeah. You know, just, just keeping order in general, you know, right. organization. Ride herd over the class. Yeah, and I think it worked out really well. Like, I, I thought it was a really, really novel idea. Mm-hmm. Um, now, mind you, our class sizes were generally about 15 to 20 people. Like they, <laughs> they're not large. Right. Um, and as I said, sometimes there were even multiple grades in a single class just because mm-hmm. we didn't have enough students to, to really. There were blended classes like that in my elementary school, usually fourth and fifth. Yeah, sometimes if there's, if there's not enough students to create a full classroom, They'll combine two. I mean, even my school this year, we have a second, third grade combo class. So mm-hmm. they just do that to save so you don't have to ship half the students off to another school because so many more issues there. So, well, that's the that interesting part, happens. too, is, is we didn't have, like, we have one district where I came yeah. from. And mm-hmm. so, or sorry, one, one, one district, school but one school in the, in, district. in the district. Yeah. And so it was really, well, and there was, it was actually interesting because we have one grade school that's in a city over there mm-hmm. and we have the high school in the city over here yeah. and it's a completely different, you know, city, which is, you know, mind you, 15 minutes away. Uh, we're talking population of the cities that we're capping at like 300 people. So my <laughs> first school district was like that. There you go. I taught music K-12. There you go. And, so, that, and that's, that's, that was our, our music class. Our yeah. music class was... Three different classrooms. Everybody gets a tambourine. Yeah. Pretty much. So... We can only have three percussionists this year. <laughs> we already have five. Just give, just give people spoons. Just let them play the spoons. Oh, and what is, Okay, I, I got to ask, as a music teacher, right? Yeah. What is up with the recorders? Why? I love recorders so much. Why? <laughs> My God. I love recorders torture. so much. It is because it is um, a just good introduction universal. for wind instruments. It is great mm-hmm. for finger dexterity. Mm-hmm. It is great for breath support and control. It is an attainable instrument for young students to learn and feel successful pretty immediately. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I 
They're easy wins. Love teaching recorder. <laughs> like I am genuinely sad that I don't get to do it this year. It is. I know so many music teachers who hate it and I know it, parents hate it, but like mm-hmm. the way I teach it to my students, I'm like, we get to do this. It's so exciting. And we don't use it to make these loud, ugly noises because we are musicians. Mm. And and so they like own it. And I'm like, and maybe that's the appropriate response. Like, <laughs> yeah. like my, I remember my uh, music teacher, especially in, in grade school mm-hmm. was, she was, if she's listening to this, God forbid, I'm sorry. <laughs> you weren't that good. Um, I did not appreciate her general style and it was really mm-hmm. here's your instrument here's how you play it now go practice for 10 weeks oh no you know there was no that's sad. like that's fanfare okay. or you that's know not really teaching that's no. not teaching no she was there to help obviously like she she wasn't going to turn you away if you're like hey i have a question why can't why doesn't this sound right you know kind of stuff mm-hmm. but it was never like there was never motivation it, it was just like well here's the thing we're going to do it you know go to your thing yeah I also was a little shafted because I was part of that. We're only having three percussionists this year, and you were not one of them. <laughs> so I got Grab a recorder. recorder Russ. Yep, and I was very mm-hmm. unhappy about this because I did become a percussionist in seventh grade and, well, and started playing drums beyond that point. See, I, I feel that like they split, they split our music education pretty early on. I remember having music class probably first, second, third grade, but then after that it was like, all right, strings or wind. Yeah. You know, and that was, and I didn't, I didn't after right. that. Yeah, it, we, exactly. It was like, I don't it, remember optional. what happened actually. It yeah. was strings, wind, and choir in mm-hmm. my middle school. You could choose one of those or you could do woodshop. Yeah. Like, usually it's an <laughs> or art. Or yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's because, a special kind of symphony right there. Yeah. When you, when you I'm get to, when you get to middle school and high school, it becomes an elective rather right. than, you know, and we, I mean, we could get into the fact that music, I'm only there to give teachers a prep. That's that's essentially my job. I take the students for 30 minutes so the teachers can get ready for the rest of the day. Oh. So that's the function of my job. I think that I am supposed to teach kids important things in that time mm-hmm. and I think that music's incredibly important to developing well, that's minds. That's not what I just heard. But <laughs> that's the, the way district. but, but that's, that's not the way, the way your your district treats you. That's the way the district treats you as a prep. Yes. Yeah. Of, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And and I love my colleagues. They're great. But a lot of the times it's like, take my kids. I have stuff to do, mm-hmm. which is just kind of the nature of the beast. So yeah. interesting. That's a shame. It is. That, that's yeah. a it very, it, very interesting perspective, especially, you know, being part of it. It is. I would never expect that. Like that mm-hmm. would not be. Well, it's, it's hard to like the breakdown of like, should music be an elective or should these other things? Like I, I get it. Like how much can you cram into, yeah. uh, in, into a day? Like I, when I was in seventh grade, I had surgeries on my legs. And so I was out of PE for almost the entire year. Mm-hmm. Um, our electives were depending on basically depending on what you like, which grades you were in your electives kind of all landed in uh, like an AB slot where like half of your class was doing PE and the other half was doing the electives. And then you would go and to you lunch switch. and you would swap. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just got to do two electives. So by then I was already in music. Um, so I got to do, band and i got to do woodshop for that year and stuff like that it was great um and granted i was an incredibly unathletic unathletic child um not all that athletic today what Uh, (laughs) i know blinding surprise i am sir uh and so it was it was great for me and i think like physical education is absolutely important as well. Um, Did you guys have the PE teacher that was massively overweight and couldn't yes. keep up with the students? Like that seems like no. a common oh, gosh. thing. Well, that... it wasn't necessarily like, I don't know. Uh, I remember one gentleman who 
you know, he looked pretty hefty, but he, no, he could hustle. He could oh, yeah. hustle. Like, well, those guys, I, I, those are like sleepers, right? I mean, those those guys are insane. But I mean, it, the the three guys that we had for our our PE teachers throughout my years were the kind of guy to be like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna run a half mile today. We're gonna walk a half mile today. Oh, by the way, I'm gonna stay on the bleachers. You guys go do your thing and I come mean, back. <laughs> as far as you know, because we also, as with all career fields, there are. People who phone it in, um, mm-hmm. and of my well, I'm not saying of the that educators as a PE that I teacher, you need to be perfectly. Fit oh no no, no 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 no! But, but I'm just thinking like of, of my educators that I have had over the years. Like I, statistically speaking, I probably had more PE teachers who were phoning it in than the, than the others. But I don't know. It's I think it's also kind of a, a stereotype and easier, or mm-hmm. not not necessarily stereotype, but it's something that's a little bit easier to notice. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Like, I mean, you want to talk about stereotypes? Did the art room always smell funny? No. Like, is that no? We didn't have an art. I always room. had no. like grandmotherly old ladies teaching art. We I had I, we had the, the spacey nineteen seventies everyone love and mm. and you know do weed because that oh that was my networking prof. Nice, oh wow, nice. that's about right. <laughs> wow, I don't remember that much about my art teachers? I love my art teachers. Good. Their classes were awesome because you didn't do anything. Like they taught you some <laughs> random art. They they let you do whatever you wanted pretty much. That's so sad. But we watched like. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off was on repeat what in this, uh, in this chick's classroom. Sad. Like it would just run twenty four seven. Speaking of standardized testing, oh, there are gosh. there are like things that teachers have to go through nowadays to make sure that they are that's not actually happening doing their job. I mean, there are still absolutely teachers who show more movies than they should. Um, just like any field, you're going to get people who aren't really about it. Yeah, you're always going to get those outliers. But, like, we have to go through, it's called TPEP, to, you know, we're observed by our principal. We have to write growth goals. We have to show how our students are going to meet that. So you so you, you linked us to standardized testing. Are you I saying mean, it's not testing, is, but, it's, but it's a standard. It's a standard, and it's, you know, we well, are it's like evaluation, essentially. So... Nowadays, teachers are kind of held to a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, which is good. I mean, it's like you know, finally roping us back around to our original sort of topic. <laughs> I tried uh, to get us there. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's like standardized standards, not necessarily just standardized testing, but standards ha- absolutely have their uses, mm-hmm. I think, in, within education. It's just absolutely. like, what are we doing with them? How do you lever those? Because if we look at different educational systems that don't do standardized testing, they do more kind of holistic in class, again, going to assessment. And mm-hmm. I feel like in the educational world, there's, there is, and there isn't a difference between standardized testing and assessment. Cause they'll just call a standardized test and assessment. Um, like oh, the muscle is. is Washington assessment of student learning. But then we come back to, if you go, the, if you, if you draw out education to its terminal point, either to professionalize or whatever your students, there will be standardized tests at some point. LSAT, bar, med school, NBCOT, um, or even certificates GRE, in tech, certs, mm-hmm. professional certs. Mm-hmm. Um, these aren't going away. Yeah, of all the engineering disciplines, mine has pretty much none. I was going to say, you, you probably wow. kind of got out of it somehow. Fancy. Which is a huge issue, actually, within my field. Yeah. Um, you know, coders. You guys do have standards to follow. Mm. Um, no? I mean, coding yes. standards are I thing. mean, they're, they're, they are, but 
Uh, like it's, up not, to, it's up to the company to adopt. It's up them. to the company to adopt and enforce, and they're not part of your, like, you know, my education. Some schools, yeah. But, like, you know, coders are also writing the code that keeps planes in the air. Or not in Boeing's oh. case. Or not. And granted, that is, <laughs> like, that funny. Boeing 737 MAX issue wasn't strictly a coding issue. Right. Like, there, we could get into the, the whole gamut of that. Corporations can be real bastards sometimes. What? They um, follow the money? I know. We did get into that. I feel like that's going to be my tagline that's now. It's our, like, they follow the money. That's our bonus. That's our There's bonus our, content. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think standards are absolutely useful. Yes. So then where do you check them? I think what we're saying here is there's there's assessments and there's standardized assessments. The standardized assessments are from the state and they are deciding when students are at a proficient level. Whereas teaching assessments, we actually can use that data to help students grow. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we go through- What's the difference? Listen, we go through- <laughs> Listen. <laughs> we go through data meetings multiple times a year. I don't necessarily have to do that because I don't teach math and English and right. those measurable assessments that they qualify mm -hmm. as an important. Um, but, you know, teachers are setting goals for their students. Then they have to give the, teach the content, give the assessments, and then see where students are. From there, we break students into learning groups where they are, you know, based on their skill levels, they're broken into how much help they need or how much extra curricular they can go to expand their knowledge. Sure. That's going to help the students who are low reach level those students who are at level go above and beyond and continue to challenge the students who are above so how do we modify that how do we how do we how do we dissolve the standardized test framework as we have it now because what you're describing sounds mm -hmm. a thousand times more beneficial both from a data standpoint and from an actual student health standpoint from a it is and that's what as teachers we we tend to look at that as more important than the standardized tests. And a lot of teachers will even say to the kids, do your best on the standardized tests. We're continuing to work in school. And so I think this is where we can bring it back to like Finland's education model. They're doing that. And Finland as a government is trusting that their teachers are accurately grading and assessing their students. Whereas Chris Reichdahl, if you're listening, pay attention. He's not the worst. No, he's not. He's pretty good. He's, but he's pretty in charge good. of the state's education. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> but, Currently. you know, that's where that's where it comes to. It's it's I feel like it's the government's way of overstepping mm -hmm. because teachers are capable of doing their job. And except in, the ones that don't. Except the ones that don't, which it is getting remarkably harder for those teachers to stay in the system, um, which is very good. And I think also those hoops that teachers have to go through, it's making it harder for people who just saw it as like an easy career path to not stay. So it's it's yeah. it's kind of sounding like to me that you're you're kind of advocating for more of a stand not a standardized testing, but like less of the standardized testing on students and more so that same sort of idea for educators. Because right, because you need you need some sort of tool to measure overall success. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you you have what? how do you, how do you yeah. know how like right. if what we're doing no is actually we, helping students yeah we absolutely need a measure to see how students are doing and how to help them grow that is very important mm -hmm. but that standardized test is not what's helping us get there yeah. see i think this is what's interesting is that more and more colleges 
looping the loop back into looping in post-secondary ed. More colleges are going away from testing entrance, you know, exams. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are dropping an SAT as a requirement. A lot of law schools are dropping the LSAT. Yeah. A lot of graduate programs are dropping the GRE. When I was in my master's program, we talked with our, you know, we just talked with our professors and some of them were on our admissions committee. And we said, okay, so how much weight did you give our GRE scores? And they're like, it was the last box Mm -hmm. we checked. If, If there were two candidates for applicant, if there were two applicants that were just neck and neck and we can only take one of you, then we looked at your GRE scores and what mm-hmm. you did, which I thought was interesting because if secondary ed for the longest time or, or primary and secondary ed for the longest time have been beating the drum of post-secondary ed for year degree. Yeah. We talked about this on a previous episode. Then why aren't they modeling their output more along the lines of what these post-secondary institutions are expecting for input mm-hmm. as in why aren't they forming the students the colleges are looking for? It's like they're speaking two different languages, so God forbid. Yeah. Um, but that goes back to what we were talking about with AP. I had a lot of students who, had, when I was advising, who had taken AP classes, but they didn't align with a degree or they didn't really fulfill any meaningful graduation requirements. Yeah. And I would tell them this. I would tell their parents this. The kids were like, Oh, that sucks. Okay, what do I have to do? The parents, oh man, oh, yeah. some of the worst phone calls. So he took that whole year and we paid $95 paying to take a test again. Yeah. And it, it doesn't do anything? Yeah. No, not really. Sorry, you you took you basically took Biology 100 and you want to be a doctor, you're taking the Biology series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that Bio 100 doesn't count yeah. at all. Not even really as an elective. Oh. Mm-hmm. angry yep. parents which there. i can i mean i can understand i mean they're they're venting their anger at the wrong the wrong oh yeah person well, it wasn't but, directed at me it wasn't like i you know crapped all over their sure. experience it's they're mad at the system right you know? well it's because it, their system told them a specific item right they said that if you well, did this it's class not even yeah. that the, it's not even that the system told no? them it's not that the system told them incorrectly it's that the system didn't tell them with enough precision which is a fine line mm-hmm. i don't know how much the, and this is where I wish, honestly, my mom was here with us because she's a counselor at high school. I wonder how much communication and interactive communication the ad, the admissions and advising teams at colleges have with counseling departments at high schools. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a lot of kids will just go to AP because it's like, well, I'm smart. I might as well do AP. Mm-hmm. Or the schools push it to, you know, valedictorian or to get the numbers up when it doesn't really help them moving forward yeah. you know especially because ap classes i'll just be honest they're still high school courses you might be teaching a harder curriculum but you're not teaching in a collegiate method you're not teaching you know with a huge diversity of students or a, a very nuanced approach to the content like you would get in a college level mm-hmm. course so really that is the worst example of teaching to a test because that's the only thing where you might have some semblance of carryover is what's on that paper. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think this is kind of, we, we're kind of circling towards the end here a little bit. Uh, we've, we've talked a lot about standardized testing and education in general. Um, do y'all have any kind of final closing thought? I think standardized testing in and of itself is not bad. Mm-hmm. Well, there I has to be a bar. There has yeah. to be a bar. There has to be standards. There has to be, 
measurable outcome. But but what it does and how it interacts with the rest of the world. What it's used for mm-hmm. is the big question. Because if it's used, like we said, as a stick, you know, as a, you know, harsh corrective measure, that's not helping anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, we're taking a very business mindset to an educational system, which just mm-hmm. doesn't work. Yeah, especially at the primary and secondary level. Mm-hmm. Post secondary, and eh, we can debate that, but. Right. It just doesn't work on a right, and we're taking a very short-sighted view. Absolutely, it's like punishing the schools that have low test scores. But if we if we're able to bring those students up and we're better able to provide for them for their educators to to have a better education experience and to be able to learn more, that's going to help all of us in the long run. But again, it costs money. Absolutely, it costs money, and that sounds like socialism. I don't have kids. My kids aren't in school. Why should I pay for it? I want to pay for my schools without children because I don't want stupid people hanging on to this world later in life. That is exactly the right I, mindset. I want, <laughs> I want my the, the, the next generation to be as intelligent as humanly yeah. possible. Yes. But see, this is what's interesting is that the school system as it exists is perpetuating that division that we have. Because if you look at very, very prestigious schools that feed into places like you know the, those top 25 colleges... Well, if I get my they're kid, getting a great education. Oh yeah. Well, if I get my kid into this preschool that is destined for Yale, I mean, God yeah. forbid that that connection should not exist. Um, it's crazy to me, but it's kind of like the I think we talked about this earlier. It's a self fulfilling prophecy. Like I have a lot of people in in my industry, young kids, um, that they're like, we're not sending our kids to public school. Yeah, that's awful. And it's just like, well, none of their funds because there's there's a certain dollar amount that gets attached to every student that goes oh school, yeah absolutely which is we could get it oh my gosh this this particular episode could go on for, for an entire season at least yeah you could do a mini season but, on this uh, like taking your kids and pushing that like separating out the education to like well you get a good education for your kid if you can pay for it is creating the self-fulfilling prophecy of, of course, public schools. They're probably not going to, statistically, not factually, but just statistically, they're not going to be able to get as good of an education, potentially, as in a private school where there is so much more funding. And it's not to do usually with the educators. It's usually to do with just the sheer lack of funding. Our class sizes are cute. Private schools can be tricky, too, though, because they ostensibly they would have some sort of freedom when it comes to curriculum. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, how to what degree are those schools and the administration in those schools who determine curriculum mm-hmm. beholden to their patrons i guess we could say oh yeah you know it's like well you're gonna teach little jimmy all of these things because i'm paying you for it mm-hmm. yep. and at that point it becomes more of a business transaction mm-hmm. where i'm paying you for a result you know and that result is that i want my kid educated this particular way Mm-hmm. And I'm probably don't teach him none of that evolution stuff. Yeah, well, and also you don't have to have a teaching certificate to teach in a private school, Ooh. so that can get into some I other. Mean, on yeah, really? on the whole, you don't really no, truly. Gonzaga Prep does require it for like eighty percent of teachers, but they have a section. This is from what I've heard from their dean of students. They have like an allotment of teachers they can hire. Yeah, that don't have to have it's it. it's usually that right. So they're not just gonna. Fu- put a whole public school with no certified teachers it's usually yeah, going to be not everybody has to have right. a teaching certificate which but, is honestly fine well 
I don't. <laughs> Renee the, disagrees. Well, I'll tell you some stories after this. <laughs> I believe you could, but then it it does. I mean, it circles back again to that standard and that measure of performance. You know, is yep. is a teaching cert just the last standardized test? Mm. That's a good question. Renee, any closing? <laughs> I feel like she has closing a few. thoughts. <laughs> I have so many thoughts always, but no, I think we kind of covered a lot here we did i wish we had like real honest like go out and do this sort of an answer because this is this is one of the things that i get a little passionate about but if hey i said if chris ragdoll's um, listening leave us a comment mr superintendent buy us a bottle of whiskey wait (laughs) vote for your vote for your schools like every every lend it whoa every (laughs) every levy and it's great um but you know when you see levies come through you can say oh it's this much money that i have to pay but it's 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 educating the future and that's incredibly important (laughs) and if you choose not to educate the future then teachers will be cut class sizes will be higher students are going to be miserable not just your kids but the kids in your community Mm -hmm. which are going to grow to be the adults in your community Mm -hmm. which are going to be the people that are affecting the rest of your life so vote you for your schools live in a stupid country vote for your schools vote for your schools that was your cue <laughs> anyways uh well <laughs> thanks renee for being our our very first guest on this Thank podcast yeah, um, glad to... i've learned a decent amount about education you broadened our horizons you broadened our horizons <laughs> and you've lit a fire in me for this sort of stuff again yes damn that's my Even ultimate goal is to I know. Light some fires. Awesome. Well, thank you, listeners. Uh, please leave us a comment, a like, and subscribe on any of your podcast platforms. Comment on our website, scotchandsocialism.com. We would love to hear from you. Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Thank you so much. Please listen and drink responsibly.